Welcome everyone back to the Sandalanch podcast. I am Dak and with me this week is Jada, Joe, and Jamie. Yay, Yay Jamie's back. Jamie's <laughs> back. We told you listeners. Jamie's back and we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't Joe's, to yeah, Joe, Joe's in a, in a song mood today. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> I'm lucky, honestly. It's great. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being in a song mood. So this week we are doing Elantris chapters 16 and 17. Uh, in these chapters, first one is from Raiden's perspective. We get a bit of a flashback to his life with Ian, the Seon, and then we come back to the present and there's a bit of a... They, his, guy, his guys get angry and nearly walk into a trap and as a result they wind up making another friend out of the Mad Baron. And uh, then we go to Serene's chapter and she's doing fencing practice with the ladies uh, and then a couple of the guys walk in and uh, they, the ladies get distracted. And then Serene has a f- phone conversation with her dad and just opens up more issues that we have, like her insecurities and also like the whatever the hell went on between the brothers. But yeah, so we're delving into some character stuff here. So hang on, everyone. The Sand Lanch is about to begin. Feed the fire, set me free in this city of dreams. Push my Yeah, so we had a couple meaty chapters, and I think the gangs are falling faster than anyone probably expected. So what did you all think of these two chapters this time? And Jamie, if you want to provide thoughts on all the other ones that you read, feel free. I'm sure people would love to hear. (laughs) Okie doke. So these chapters were pretty good. I like the flashback with Ian. I, yeah. Yes, the other gang fell very quickly. I'm just like, okay, yeah, we have this trap with the Mad Baron. And uh, already he's been convinced to join our side. I thought that's very sudden. I mean, I guess it it demonstrates Raiden's personality that we ca- that we've been talking about. He's just like he's just so damn charismatic. He convinced anyone to join him. But uh, <laughs> okay, so that that sem- that seemed a bit quick, but whatever, we'll let it go. Serene's chapter was a lot of fun with the fencing. I really enjoyed seeing the seeing the ladies of the court trying to take that up, and uh, she's just like, okay, something else I'm not particularly good at teaching okay but yeah a lot of fun character interactions there so all in all i i kind of want to say like these chapters weren't that eventful but that's not right there was a whole trap and nearly a whole sword fight going on but uh yeah on the whole these are fun chapters and i and i liked them um and i'm just curious to see what unfolds from them yeah a lot of I can see Alien Serene's chapter, maybe not a lot of, like, happens, happens, like, not, uh, I mean, you know, you have some interesting stuff, but there's a lot of character, a lot of background uh, sort of information we find out that it's definitely mm-hmm. like, oh, where's this going to lead to? Oh, I left out of the summary that she talks to that priest guy as well. Oh, yeah, and we find out what the trial is. Find out what the trial is. Yeah, these chapters, uh, they're okay. I, I'm in agreement with the DAC on the first chapter. You know, when we got into the beginning of the book and we get to the part where Raiden hears about the three gangs, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a big challenge. And so far has not been a big challenge. Uh, (laughs) I feel like things are going a little too well for him, which, you know, I don't want things to go badly for him. But at the same time, it's like, oh, man, a fight was about to break out. And then I just said, hey, man, do you remember how great of a stonecutter you are? Think about where you are now. 
is a stonecutter's dream and it's like all, all of a sudden everything's turned around it just seems kind of too easy and a little uh a little trite i guess is the word that i want to use but uh maybe that's the wrong word but that's okay that's the word i'm going to stick with it just doesn't fit it doesn't fit I feel like the stakes, like, like, you, it's like we raise the stakes and then it's super anticlimactic. It's like, here are these three gangs. Oh, wait, this one just wanted to see your daughter. Cool. Oh, wait, this guy just needs to be reminded that the world is beautiful. Okay, cool. Not that, basically, there's, I'm losing interest in the Raiden piece, which kind of stinks because that's my favorite. That was my favorite part so far. So that's, that's kind of how I felt about that chapter. Still some good stuff in it. Uh, I really liked him clean getting the their kind of base clean and and making plans to do the farm and all that stuff is cool and then yes rainy chapter the fencing stuff was great i liked her talking to the priest that seems like he has alzheimer's i guess i don't know something's going on with him but uh her talking to her dad was nice because we hadn't she hadn't done that in a while so yeah lots of good stuff in uh in serenity's chapter so i'm looking forward to see uh what's going on with Freitha next time I like it was funny because the first thing when you're like, you know, I don't necessarily want bad stuff happening to Rowden. I don't want things to go badly for him. I was like, yeah, you do. You're secretly rooting for Prathen. We all know it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want things to go badly for him, but I also want it to be more exciting than just like, hey, man, stop. Stop the <laughs> war. Look, look at this stone. Isn't it beautiful? Like, come on. Come on. Give me something better than that. I got a rock. Yeah. It's like, uh, like, I don't mean I don't mean to. Like, I'm not trying to criticize Brandon, but what I'm saying is, remember how we read that review that was like, oh, it's like a bad D&D campaign? That's what I feel like that <laughs> chapter was. It was like, oh, man, we got into this situation and a fight's about to break out. Players, quick, figure a way to talk our way out of this. Hey, man, you were a stone cutter, right? Look at all this stone. Isn't it beautiful? You don't want to fight. Oh, you're so right. Like, you know, it just yeah, like not 20 persuasion. Exactly. Yep, he, exactly. He rolled a nat 20 on persuasion and and like totally talked his way out of a big brawl. So, uh so that's that's really my only like kind of like really come on come on son yeah so hi everyone (laughs) 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 we've we've managed to get the baby's nap time to perfectly align with our recording time so that's wonderful at least at least um for this week until daylight savings kicks in next weekend oh is that next weekend jeez okay talk about then it's all messed up for everybody (laughs) hopefully her body clock is still doing this anyway yeah yeah really happy to be back really so i had some difficulty in getting time to read all the chapters so missing a few weeks i've now caught up and it was really strange to be able to just read continuously up until this point (laughs) so i feel like i've not really had the opportunity to dissect everything as we go but i'm really enjoying the story in general how it's how it's flowing i would agree with Joe, that the the gangs like the, the, he's managed to overcome two gangs already. It's just like mm, so, you know, that's that's a little bit strange. But I enjoy his interactions with the other characters. I think he's quite a likable character, and particularly after the Mistborn trilogy, I actually think it's nice we've got some characters that we like that aren't just a little bit of a dickhead as well. You know, Kelsey, we like Kelsey, <laughs> but you know, he wasn't exactly a swell human being. It's nice to have a character that's actually nice. And Serene, I love her. I think she's really cool. She's She's got some stuff going on, definitely got some issues, and I'm not really a big fan of this You're an Old Maid by 25 business, but <laughs> it's a bit unfair. But the the scene with the, the fencing and 
these women clearly want to partake in these activities and I just think she's really cool and I really look forward to seeing what what happens with her and what she manages to turn things on, on their head and it's nice to have a really strong character that in the lead and not necessarily she's learning a lot about things but she's not learning like Vin was learning everything from scratch and being spoon-fed all the information you know she's she's learning about the city that she's in but she's quite a strong character to begin with and I am very much enjoying that. From what I read of Raven so far I really thought he was going to come in and be the big bad but he seems to be going a little bit soft in my opinion. <laughs> he's too nice okay. Uh, he's not too, I wouldn't go as far as he's too nice He's obviously got regrets and stuff over what he's he's done previously and doesn't want to handle this situation the same way that he's done before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that he's going to end up being our, our big bad. Like he sort of started out as the big bad, but I don't know. I don't know about him. We'll see what happens next next chapter that we read, obviously. But he's offsider I'm more concerned about than than him at this point. But all in all, I'm I'm really enjoying the book. I really like having you know a, a perspective for each chapter I like how we're starting to see the their chapters and, and things that are happening in their chapters stitched together so we sort of see what's happening on this side of an event and then the other side of the event and things all coming together so yeah I'm really enjoying it it's going to be really hard to go back to reading only a <laughs> it's really nice to just sit down and read it but <laughs> um yeah I've enjoyed it so far you got to binge I know, and I feel a little bit like, oh, that was that was wrong. What I wanted to do, <laughs> read, <laughs> read like the couple of chapters and then listen to the episodes because I knew what you guys had said. So I do apologise if I cover anything or say anything that's already been, been said, but I actually oh. haven't heard what you've said yet. <laughs> so I know I made a couple of comments to Jack yesterday about some of the names being similar to names in Mistborn. There was... um. Like Maresh, I was like, well, that's like Marsh. And then there was like Mare with an extra A. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every time I read Karata, I read Katara. So <laughs> I do the same thing, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and I said that, and, and Zach was like, oh, yeah, I brought that up on the. I was, oh, okay. No, no, <laughs> Fine. No, only the, the Mare one. Like when you said when you said Marish is Marsh, I've just sort of kind of stopped dead and just gone, holy shit. Yeah, I did the same thing just now when she said that. I was like, wow, no, that's true. Man. Mm-hmm. Although it's, it is. It's like we shouldn't be drawing parallels. Like they're different work, and I know that. But <laughs> if anything, hard. this one came. This one came first. So if anything, Miss Morn copied this one. Oh, uh, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I think they've theorized a couple of times. Like they kind of agree with you that uh, it seems like Kraithen maybe won't end up being the big bad, and I, I think we have. I, I think the group has some concerns that uh, Diloff is going to uh, be a worse person to deal with at some point. Yeah, he's. I guess he's passionate. But he's he's also unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Raven's like, oh, well, you really should have spoken to me about that, and he just seems to go off and do what he wants anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm worried about him. He's 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 a weird dude. Mm. Also, we uh we watched the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie in the week, and uh, it, and, you know, it's got the pirates that are cursed talking about how you know we can't die, but um we're constantly <laughs> hungry and we can never slake our hunger. I was gone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, they're Elantrians. I guess let's let's start into these chapters. Uh, okay, so chapter 16, we get, and like like Dak mentioned, we're starting with kind of Rowden flashing back to his past with Ian. 
And he he learned about slavery from one of his tutors, and he feels so bad. He's like, Ian, please be free. I didn't realize that I was enslaving you. He's Run like, free, cr- Tinkerbell. Run free. He's crying. Yeah. It's so cute, actually. Like little yeah, Odin. Yeah, it's a sweet. It's a sweet moment. Yeah. He's just like, I can't believe this is what I've been doing to you. I I thought we were friends. Like, you know, I didn't know that this. And and you know, as a kid, as an innocent child would think, it's like this is wrong. I shouldn't do this to you. And uh, this is actually something I thought we might give further discussion because, I mean, according to Ian, he's not enslaved. And and who and so like who are we to say? Well, yeah, he is. But at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, kind of he is. So what do you, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I guess it really depends on if he has the freedom to leave if he wanted to. Yeah. He's like, he's like, my, I am free. My freedom is being here with you is what he says. And so it's like, but if you just decided one day that you wanted to leave, could you? Because then you are free. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I was sort of reminded of like the house elves in Harry Potter on this. And it's like, mm. and so, and I, and I know, like, it's still controversial how the books handled that whole slavery aspect, and and how they were treated. And it's like, okay, so this is just, so they are actually free, and they choose to. It's not so much like the like the house elves were, where it's like they were just happy in slavery. Yeah. Or have um they, these these guys at least according to Ian here, it's like <laughs> no, we're not slaves. We we do generally enjoy working for you. It's not actually slavery. I'm like. Okay, I, f- I feel like I just needed to elaborate it a bit more just to see the exact terms in which they serve. Right. Yeah, that's a good comparison, actually, because the house elves are like, no, we don't want to be free. We love being enslaved. But then you get yeah. the one who is like, I would like to leave, please, and I am not allowed to. Yeah. So right. that, that's yeah. where it becomes clear that, wait a second, this is messed up. And I guess that's yeah. like what they're – I guess that's what the clarification I would like, like basically what Data said. It's like, can they – go on their way if they wanted to or are they bound to that person because the way Hraithan treats 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 wow <laughs> <laughs> the way Hraithan treats his seon is obviously pretty shabbily yep. but the seon doesn't seem to mind so it's just kind of like where's the like kind of where's the line here right because it's like is, is- is that particular one just conditioned to expect that's what's normal or? Yeah. Well, any of them that are, that are being carried by the Gjorns, I guess, because they all have to lock them in those boxes. So like, like, yeah, again, to take the Harry Potter reference, it's like the elves, a lot of the elves are okay with it, but does that make it right? Because one of the main characters of Harry Potter doesn't think it's right, even though they're okay with it. Mm -hmm. She basically thinks they're they're They just don't, which I mean, maybe this is bad on her part. She's at least the what I get from that is that she doesn't think they're educated enough to know that that what's happening to them is wrong. But again, it's it's weird. It's a weird situation to be in. It's like, who are we to say that the Seon doesn't know? I mean, they seem highly in- like highly intelligent creatures. So it's like you would think yeah. they would know if, if it was slavery and if they didn't want it, that they wouldn't do it. But I don't See, know. That always bothered me. I, like, that's where I always feel like Hermione goes too far. Is- yeah. In in when she's like here, I want to educate and I want to like tell you it would it's okay to want to be free. You should you deserve better. I'm fine with her preaching that as much as she wants. But then when she starts to try to like trick them into being released from servitude, yeah, she, exactly. She feels she knows better than they do, and they yeah. should do what I think that they should do. That's yeah. where I'm like, okay, we're going a little far now. Yeah, and I think that's pointed out in the book is kind of like her her thinking on it is not quite 
fully developed to an adult's thinking on it at that point. It's like she's like they kind of poke fun at that, like like her <laughs> friends say, like, hey, that's that's not really cool for you to trick them into being free. Like that's that's not better or that's not a good thing to do either. So it's like I, I think it's one of those maybe questions that like in youth you think that it's black or white but really there's like a lot of a lot of gray because you have to take into account the individual's desire as well you can't just thrust them into what you think is best for them just because you you think you know better so it's it's a weird weird thing to wrap my mind to wrap my brain around yeah and he, i think ian even says it's like oh you know you're thinking it in terms of human logic like mm-hmm. like it's very different to how we see the world like so right. i guess it's just like all right we need to get more their perspective on how it actually functions to really yeah, wrap our yeah. brain wrap our heads around how they feel about it and how it actually applies to them they seem to me to be more like a companion almost like you're assigned a companion <laughs> yeah rather than a, a slate you know, like they can they can banter back and forward like yes they're you know given direction and it's like you've got a task go and do that for me which like i get that sort of ties into the slavery side of things but you know like ash can banter with serene pretty well like they 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 seem more friends than they mm-hmm. do like slave and master situations so i don't know i guess maybe it depends on the human that they're paired with maybe it's like i mean the house elves are you know that's their entire race are slaves but maybe it's not the same sort of thing with the seance it's true we don't really know for all we know they could there could be like a a, a land where seance roam free or something we still don't know where like Wern got 20 to give around to his Gjorns or whatever. I mean, yeah. J- Jamie's right. If you, It depends on the person. Like, it's clear that Wraithen is not nice to his, so... Yeah. And clearly, you know, his his sound could not leave when it chose to. Whereas, from what we've seen of Ash and then what we assume of Ian, it's a bit different. And Raiden clearly cares about Ian. He's mm-hmm. brought up him a few times, wandering around, and that he's not complete, and he seems really quite sad about it. So... There's definitely care there. Yeah. And it's, it, it was an interesting point that Ian's like, no, you just, you see the world differently. You have like this need to rank everything where it's like, this is the top and then below and below. We don't have that to us. There's like, there's those we love and we serve those we love and that's, there's nothing else relevant. So that's an interesting dedication, but it makes you wonder. It's like, so does that say on love for Ethan? Because it doesn't seem like that's a messed up love. Yeah. And this ties in to, and especially when he used the word love, this ties in, I feel like, to what we were talking about previously, where maybe uh, maybe the the driving force on this planet is devotion, because these creatures, by their own description, really seem to be saying, well, you know, we're devoted to the people that we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We, we take care yeah, of the people we love. That's what we live for. That's what we do. So they seem to be really tied into that. So we may be on the right track as far as the shard, the shard of it all goes. And Rowden even says in like the next page, basically, he's like he's come to think that the seans are almost like an expression of Domi and his love for his people. Right. Although they don't seem to believe in Domi, so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, he he sees Ian and he's like, "You're finally free, my friend." So sad. And he starts to tell Galadon, like, I think I figured out what's wrong with them. It's like the Aeon in the middle. And Galadon's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, I don't really care. And Galadon's busy thinking about what he misses from the outside. 
That's an interesting question. If you like lost your entire life and got shoved in this new city, what would you miss? Like what thing would you want to bring with you? Yeah, I would have liked the question a lot more if it didn't feel like such an an excuse for Raid and to like like storytelling wise. I feel like the question kind of comes out of nowhere and it's just basically a way for us to, as the readers to to know that Raiden really liked Serene. I don't feel like it serves really any other purpose. That's interesting cuz I really like Galadon's answer more like i feel like it tells us some stuff about galadon that we didn't yeah. certainly know let's say we don't sure. really know a lot about him in general so yeah yeah exactly also interesting that uh he described he, he's a self-described lazy farmer he, he got an orchard specifically because it would be less um <laughs> work, work. Yep. and he's like what do you miss most oh this thing that i built myself i made the effort to build it's like hang on you said you were lazy <laughs> yeah exactly doesn't actually fit with this with the character <laughs> traits we've been told about him yeah, man. If I wasn't so lazy, I'd build this whole house. But you yeah. are lazy, right? Oh, don't oh, get me yeah. started. Don't, yeah. get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. Oh my god. Yes, Galadon misses his house. He felled every tree, worked every board, pounded every nail. And Ram's like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 cool. I had a lot of stuff. What do I miss? He's like, I was the son of a king. I had all sorts of stuff. But uh, he misses the letters from Serene. And I like. He's like, oh, you're I never pictured you as romantic. And he's like, look, just because I don't mope around like a character from your Dooladin romances. So apparently Dooladin is famous for their uh, their romances. Mills and Burn. Yeah. What what isn't Dooladel famous for? I feel like every time he talks about something, oh, I didn't take you for this. He's just like, oh, well, can't we can't all be like you Dooladelians or whatever. <laughs> They're called doulas. Yeah, that I like Dooladelian though. That sounds cool. That, that that it does really rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, I think we had this conversation before. It sounds kind of like Dunedain. Mm, yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh god. But and I like as he's explaining to him, he's like, oh yeah, she sent me these great letters, and she's this beautiful writer, and so on and so forth. And then after like five months, she proposed, and he's like, wait, she proposed to you? He's like, oh yeah. I mean, he was politically motivated, of course, but uh, yeah. still. But it was the best. <laughs> significantly more forward than I was expecting, given what we know about how women sort of are treated and viewed in um, Eoden's kingdom. Right? Yeah, I mean, if it had been somebody other than Rowden from Aralon, they might not have taken that as well. But yeah, he's like, oh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so cute. They, they, they'd, they'd like talk on the phone all night. And he's like, we just leave it open for hours and talk to each other. Seons get free, free unlimited minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah man i remember my first girlfriend too been there done that on the phone for hours oh man see i feel like no i don't know i don't it's too, i was about to say feel I feel like, like what i was gonna say i feel like when i first read this maybe i didn't even have a cell phone <clears throat> but it's a very long time ago uh so i don't i don't remember when i first read it to be honest so you got a cell phone in 2004 2003 no it was 2003 it was, Christmas 2003 is when I got a cell phone. So this would have come out after that, I think, because I think this is like 2010 or something. Yeah. 2005 is when this came out, but I didn't even read it when it first came out. So I read Mistborn before I read this. Just a personal question here, Dak, and if it's too personal, you don't have to answer. We can cut it or whatever. Did you guys, when you were dating, did you guys talk on the phone a lot or were you, did you do more texting? We messaged a lot. Messaged a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I find that interesting just because I I think I grew up talking on the phone. And so, like, even though text messaging was highly accessible, if I really wanted to, like, talk to a person, especially if I was dating them, I would rather call them and talk to them on the phone and hear their voice. That was that was more my thing was 
talking on the phone as opposed to messaging. But it's like all the people, like even like people one or two years younger than me, and I think we're the same age, but people one or two years younger than me, they were like, no, talking on the phone is weird. I just text message. And I was, it always was kind of like, it was such a big disconnect, just like one or two years difference, because I think that's right around the time texting became really big was when I was a teenager. So, yeah. I think for us too, we weren't dating when we started talking to each other. So Mm, each other more than anything. And then I think we ended up just seeing each other in person. Yeah. That's probably even better. Yeah. Seeing each other in person. (laughs) Yeah. You know, as opposed to talking (laughs) on the phone, seeing each other in person is always good. But, you know, I'm the kind of guy that was like, oh, man, we just I just dropped you off at your parents' house. I'm going to call you on the way home. Like, oh. I didn't no. want I didn't want the uh, communication to end. I'm not I'm not saying that to get Oz, but that's just <laughs> that's like how I felt. Like, I didn't want it to end. I, don't, I remember I didn't. And I, now I just feel like the old person because I'm the oldest one. But I, I was not a big fan <laughs> of texting for the longest time. I did not even have unlimited texting. I had like the cheapest plan which was like 50 free texts and then you paid per text message for like a really 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 long time till like five or seven years ago because i was just (laughs) i don't care about texting i'm not a texter if i want to talk to you i will talk to you but then it just became so ubiquitous that it's like well i can't get away with not doing it at this point yeah yeah man i remember when plans were doing like free nights and weekends for texting it was like it was a whole like market around when you would get charged for texting and when you wouldn't and then with the invention of cloud and iPhones and everything, it just kind of became like, well, if you're on Wi-Fi, it's going to be free. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that was the easiest. Uh, but then we find out that uh, Galadon does not know about what happened to Duladel, and Rowden does not break it to him gently because he thought that he already knew. Because apparently it happened like six months ago, and Galadon told him he'd only been here for a few months. So he's like, oh well, he must it must have been after that. Yeah. It's a real bummer. It's just like, it's just like, oh yeah, blah blah blah. He's like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like, oh, I, I, it was only a reaction to the fall of Duladel. He's like, wait, excuse me, what, what'd you say? What about the letters? No, about Duladel. And I, I don't know how much we we've gotten bits and pieces of uh, du, what Duladel was like and what happened, but uh, here he it talks about like the Duladin Republic collapsed, and Galadon's like. It, does, it doesn't make any sense. We all believed in the Republic so much. We got to choose who was in charge. Why would people rise up against that? And Ron's mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, I don't know. To, to quote a very bad movie, this is how democracy dies, to the sound of <laughs> roaring applause. Yeah. Although, we also know that, like, there was a Republican class in Doolittle, and I've gotten almost the impression from what we've read so far that it's like, you can elect one of these people like upper class people they're the ones who can be in charge so it still feels a little bit uh not exactly democratic to me but ah, i mean star wars had the same thing none of those senators were were poor people <laughs> yeah there's a there's a great bit in one of the hitchhiker's guide books where ford prefect is telling arthur about this planet where uh the rulers are all lizards and he's like oh so everyone is a lizard he's like no no the rulers are lizards and the people are people and uh He's like, but I thought you said it was a democracy. He's like, yeah, it is. Like, the people vote for the lizards, and uh, the lizards, like, terrorize the people, and the people hate the lizards, and whatever. It's like, but why would they vote for that? He's like, well, because if they didn't vote for a lizard, then the wrong lizard might get in. So. <laughs> <laughs> I 
feel like that's trying to be a satire of real life, probably. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. Also, I mean, now that I, you know, I said, well, none of the senators in Star Wars are poor. Let's be real. None of the senators in the U.S. are probably that poor. Most of them yeah. are lawyers and have lots of money. Well, hey, look, Jar Jar became a senator and he was like an outcast. Yeah, but he was like he's he's basically been upgraded to like Naboo nobility because he was like a war hero. Oh, that's right. He he did get yeah. made a bombad general. Yeah, exactly. So he was like a general for for the what the hell are those things called? The Gungans. Gungans. Yeah, he was like a top tier Gungan general. So it's not like he was a nobody anymore. We start making you bombad general. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but also the 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 religion of Duladel died as well. Jesker was what it was called, and he's like, "What happened to my religion?" And Rodin's like, "I'm sorry, man. Shudareth is the state religion." And then there's apparently the mysteries. He's like, "Those are still around." He's like, "That is not the same thing as my religion. That is a mockery of all things sacred, a perversion." And Rodin's like, "Okay, dude, sorry, my bad." Um, this is a whole lot of. Are we supposed to know what this means? Because I got no clue. This isn't the first time we've heard mysteries mentioned. Right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's how Sanderson does it. He just lays it on us, and then we're just kind of trying to play catch-up until eventually we're given context. Like, same thing with the trials. We don't find out about that until now. They just mention the trials. Uh, so it's not like... I mean, I still, I'm still confused. Even though the Jindo guy explained it a little bit, I'm still confused about Shukurath, Shudereg, or whatever like i'm not i'm still not totally getting it so uh, i assume we'll get more context later i find it's a lot more prominent in this book than what it was in mistborn like mistborn we were sort of spoon-fed a little bit more information whereas this one it is just lathered on it's a whole lot of words it's a whole lot of different (laughs) things yeah i'm like you know what i've heard that word i'm just gonna wait until they tell me what it is (laughs) (laughs) exactly But I, I feel like it's quite heavy in this book, whereas I think he got a little bit better at having a bit of balance yeah. with wow. this form. Yes, there's, there's certain things that will be floated, you know, when we had preservation and ruin, for example, that weren't explained immediately. We could yeah. hypothesize about it for a bit, but we knew it was going to be explained. We know this stuff is going to be explained, but it's just really heavy really quickly. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely like, hey, you ready for some high fantasy? Here it is. <laughs> but it helped in Mistborn that we had Vin, who didn't know any of the things, to yeah. be the yeah, the audience the, character, the surrogate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, she's the Harry Potter for sure. Correct. Whereas we don't really have a character like that this time. We do yeah. in terms of Serene in specific about Kay and Elantris, but she knows, like, she's quite intelligent and educated. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that she knows, especially about the religions and things that we're not going to be spoon fed that. We're going to just have to figure it out later as it becomes important. Yeah, everybody knows about religion, so it's like not something that they can uh, have somebody be like, hey, what's up with religion in the, on in this yeah. place anyway? We need an outsider <laughs> to show up yeah. and be like, what, what, what is this weird stuff y'all believe in? Yeah, like you, what's, what's that thing in the movies where they go, as you know, and launches yeah. and, and, and a, a lecture of the thing that the other character does in fact know, just so the audience yeah. gets it as well. Exposition, my friend. I think there was one of those in like the first season of Game of Thrones where like they had to explain that Varys was a eunuch. So they had one of the other characters sit down and, and say to Ned Stark, it's like, oh, did you know he's a eunuch? And Ned Stark's like, everyone knows that. <laughs> 
Yeah. I didn't said, know that. Said, Thank you, Raymond. He said guy. so offended. <laughs> it's like, uh, of course I knew he had no balls. What do you think? I'm an idiot? So all people do in this town is talk about balls and who has them and who doesn't. Exactly. It, it is a topic of conversation in Game of Thrones, you know, I'm just, it's, a, it's a, yep. Ugh. Yeah, who has balls, who has their hands still, <laughs> who wears their hand around their neck. See, there's another Star Wars thing. It's like, so w- which one of you guys has actually all your original hands? <laughs> yeah, and, and your legs. And <laughs> <laughs> Vader's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rowden leaves Galadon to his misery about his homeland falling. And he goes downstairs where we discover that Kahar, the cleaner, the street cleaner that we met, he's the guy who came in and was like, I've heard that you have the secret to like not feeling like shit all the time. He has cleaned the the church, the chapel or whatever that they are living in. And it looks amazing. It's like there's shallow reliefs covering every surface, they say, stuff that like detailed tiny sculpture that they couldn't see because the sludge was over everything. And apparently the floor is like such polished marble that it acts kind of like a mirror to catch the light and like show these reliefs even better. So it just gives you the idea about how beautiful the city was when everything was kind of like this. Cause the guy's like, I mean, yeah, this stuff was probably all like common before the Riode. And Rowan's like, yeah, it's the city of the gods, man. What can I tell you? But they've got so many people that they've begun to spread out to other buildings nearby. And so when Kahar's like, what's next? He's like, well, I think that, What's the point of having this place all clean if the other places where people are living and walking around, they'll just be tracking slime in, right? So we'll have to clean the roads and the other places. And the guy's like, this is a big project. I'm on it. And uh, he's like, hey, look, I'll even get, I'll give you some more workers to help you so that uh, it'll speed up the process. Because apparently more and more people are coming since they heard about Karata like merging with him. They're like, hey, this is the place to be now, I guess. Kahar is Dick Van Dyke and he's getting his army of chimney sweeps. I like that. Okay. <laughs> chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chero. I'm just a big fan of Dick Van Dyke. Whatever you want to put him in, I'm okay with it. Sure. Yeah, fair. Was that movie he was in where he was the bad guy, it turned out? I didn't actually see it. Night There's an episode Museum. of Columbo. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. Night at the Museum. I was like, what are you talking about? Dick Van Dyke is the bad guy? But yeah, you're right. It's been a long yeah. time since I've seen that movie. I've never actually seen it. I just knew he was the bad guy. Spoiler. I don't think I have either. It's not a great movie, but the kids loved it, so we we watched all like three of them or whatever a bunch once upon a time. Yeah. So as Kahar is leaving, Rowden's like, "So do you do you understand now? Do you understand the secret now, Kahar?" He's like, "I haven't been hungry in days, my lord. This is the most amazing feeling. I don't even notice the pain anymore." And Rowden's like, "Yep, that's the solution. Pain loses its power when other things become more important. This guy just needed something to do." Which I think. I don't know that I agree with that message overall. Like, I, I don't know if that would work as well as they're trying to claim it does here. But at the same time, everyone in Elantris was just like, yeah, I'm dead and I have no purpose in life. And they're just wandering around aimlessly. I can see how having something to do would be a big improvement over that. So while while Galadon, or while Galadon, while Rowden is sitting here thinking about stuff, Galadon comes down and not really ready to take up that conversation again. He's just like, man, your cleaning man does good work, Sule. And this is where we finally... He finally decides he's going to tell Galadon what the deal is with the garden, which we talked about before. She's like, why are you not explaining to the farmer what you're wanting here? But yeah, Rowden, he he's hidden the seed, the seed corn away and he pulls it out. He's like, as a farmer, how would you judge this? He's like, it's not bad. Not the best, but not bad. Yeah, I, I, I think now we kind of understand maybe a little bit more his hesitation 
based on Galadon's reaction to when he's like, we want to plant this. Because Galad- I think Raiden is kind of kind of understands, like, Galadon didn't have a lot of hope to mm-hmm. begin with. Raiden's been able to increase his hopes a little bit. But Galadon is probably, and maybe because he's known Raiden the longest, but Galadon's like the one that is the least swayed by Raiden's like way of doing things. He's 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 kind of the one that's still maybe along the ride the most, I feel like. Along for the ride the most. He jokingly makes a reference to like, well, I guess it's, it hasn't been 30 days yet. And I think they're friends for sure at this point. But at the same time, he's shake, shaken up Galadon's afterlife more than i think he he had originally anticipated so <laughs> yeah no joke. He, he's kind of like look you're you're talking about next year i don't think that's gonna happen and uh raiden's like yeah sure well if it doesn't happen for us the people after us and he's like i don't know i don't know about this so like we've come a long way with galadin already and he's still kind of like second guessing raiden's way of thinking so it kind of makes sense maybe that he waited I think it's just his natural pessimism. Galadon's just always pessimistic about everything. But I can also yeah. see why Rayodin would maybe be like, I don't need to hear the pessimism uh, before we're even started, so I'll hold on to this. But yeah, so Galadon eventually, he's he has to be like, dude, just just give it a try. You would doubt the sun's rising if it weren't proven if you weren't proven wrong every day. So just just plant the, the fucking seeds, dude. Burn. And that's when uh, Saolin, our soldier friend, is like, some someone's coming. And Karada's men burst into the room and they're like, Karada, Lady Karada begs your presence immediately, my lord. And so I kind of like what we get in this chapter that Karada and later Tan or whatever his name is, when they join, it's pretty clear that not everybody, it's not just like, oh, the boss says we're part of this crew now, so we're part of this crew. Clearly not everybody in the gangs feels like they're just going to follow the leader and what they're told no matter what. And I like that, that there's, it's kind of more fractious than it might have been in another story where they're just like, yeah, we're joining up. We'll do whatever you say, Rowden. Yeah. While I agree with you, it also is resolved very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. He, he does talk over this Daishi guy pretty quick, but I think Rowden also has a point where it's like, why are you guys so eager to get into like a fight with weapons and stuff? The smallest injury is going to suck for you for eternity. Isn't isn't this the situation where you try other things first? Yeah, I mean, 100% he's right. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like, well, all right, man. Yeah, you're you. I mean, this guy has to be the smoothest talking pimp <laughs> in in uh, in all of what's the name of this, the planet again? Oh, uh, oh cell. Oh, cell. Yeah, this guy's got to be the smoothest talking pimp in cell. Like, seriously, like anything he says, people are just like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You're, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. He's just such a noble man. <laughs> and Ron's constantly like, we can't even afford to lose a single man, not even the enemy. We have to save everyone. And so one of Karada's people, Daishi, is taking his soldiers and he's like, we've found like a weakness in their defenses. We're going to go in there and get them because we've heard that they're going to come after us and we've got to save the children from them. We did a preemptive strike. And again, it's, I'm just like, all these people are just like going like, oh, we've, we've heard through the grapevine. And I'm just, did you guys ever see Isle of Dogs? No. Okay. There's like Jeff Goldblum's character is like one of the dogs is like, like he's hanging out in the, like the main group of five. And he's frequently just saying, it's like, haven't you guys heard the rumors? And like, he just like starts spinning some rumor that apparently the dogs on the island are all saying to each other. But we'd never see him talk to any other dogs outside that group of five. And eventually at one point, I think it's Bill Murray's dog just looks at him and just goes, where are you hearing all these rumors from? Who are you talking to? We're, we're on an isolated part of the island. There's no one here. Does, does he answer? No, they're going so <laughs> <laughs> that, 
That's amazing. And it's like, they're just, this, Elantris is reminding me of that so much. It's like, where are you hearing all this news from? <laughs> that had to be like Bill Murray poking fun at the script, like in a random, <laughs> like, in a random Probably. scene they were recording. And they're like, no, that's great. We're going to leave that in. We're not going to answer it because we don't have an answer, but it's great. We're gonna, but, uh, I would recommend that movie, by the way, if you like Wes, like, uh, Wes Anderson. So maybe an acquired taste, but I thought it was a mm. stitch. So funny. I saw the commercials for it, like when it came out or whatever. And I was just like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. And I, I never just felt strongly enough to fi- look it up and watch. That's how I feel. I, I end up liking almost every Wes Anderson movie, I feel. But every time I see like a preview or a commercial for one, it never hits like at that point. The only one that I really liked the preview for was Moonrise Kingdom, which I would actually say is one of the weaker ones. It's not one of my favorites. Really? Uh, I really like that one. I don't know. Something about Moonrise Kingdom didn't 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 go right for me. But Grand Budapest Hotel, Royal Tenenbaums, Darjeeling Limited, I really love all of those. So Wes Anderson's uh, one of my go-to when I want to have a just like a really interesting and like – I would say that his movies are like a feast for the eyes. It's very Oh, absolutely. Like he uses the visual medium of movie or just like creating pictures in general very, very well. Also, I've never been in one of the other ones I'm not into is Life Aquatic for whatever reason. I didn't like that movie very much. Yeah, that, that one I that one, that one, was, one I wanna yeah, I feel like odd. that one's really acquired taste. I liked a lot of the actors in it. Um, you know, I love Bill yeah. Murray. I like Willem Dafoe, but I just I, I don't know for whatever reason the movie didn't didn't sit right with me. That one probably grabbed me the least out of the ones I've seen. Yeah, I think the trailers for Fantastic Mr. Fox like actively turned me off. It wasn't just like I don't know if I'm interested. I'm like, ew, <laughs> I don't like the look of this at all. Yeah, it's a different one for sure. So I never saw that. I don't know. My the movie maybe is good. I just don't like the look I, of it. I, I did I did really like it. I had to watch it twice before. The first time I watched it, I was like, this is kind of weird. And the second time I watched it, I was pissing myself laughing. Mm, interesting. Okay. But yes, okay, sorry. So they uh, they take a, I guess, I don't know if they're taking a shortcut or what, but Rowden and Karada and Galadon manage to get ahead of these guys as they're heading to to the battle. And they find this place where Karada's like, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely go through here because it's like the shortest distance. And as soon as they get here, it becomes obvious that this place is rigged to like collapse. And so I guess Andon like started these rumors in order to lure these men here to take them all out at once in this building collapse, which can you just imagine like you can't die and you end up like under a pile of rubble for eternity. That's oh uh, God. yeah. Also you're like all squished. Yeah. It's like, sounds pretty terrible. It's a pretty yeah. bad way to go. And technically you're not going. So it's like, it's a pretty bad way to exist. Yeah, exactly. The not going is the worst part because you feel the pain forever and you can't get out. You probably no one is ever going to come and help you because no one wants to like try to move all these rocks. That's uh, they even though you're there. If exactly. Yeah. Like your lungs are crushed. You can't get enough air to like even yell for help. Oh, God, I can't even. Anyway. I don't want to... Yeah, that's messed up. And I like Rowden's like, do you think that maybe maybe Daishi will notice the danger? And and Karada's like, uh, no, he's a good man, but uh, he's not the brightest. He's going to march right through here without even looking up. And so Rowden has to jump out and be like, Daishi, stop. It's a trap. <laughs> and then Andon jumps out with his mustache half drooping off <laughs> his fake mustache. And he's got an axe that he's going to, like, knock down the support pillar with. I, I thought it was interesting that they specified it's a fire axe. And I was like. To, in my head, a fire axe is something a lot more modern than, say, yes. you know, a hatchet or a battle axe or something. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. 
I honestly didn't notice that the when I was first reading through this this time. And then later I was sitting around doing something else and I was like, was that a fire axe? Did it say fire axe? That really seems like very anachronistic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, was that a goat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I saw. So, yeah, I agree with you. It does seem a little strange. I mean, I can run with it because Elantris is the place of advanced magic. So maybe they just have, you know, the bright red axes <laughs> yeah. and, the, and, the, and the red plastic helmets. <laughs> Yeah, um, and actually, like, Andon actually had somebody get it out of, like, a glass case and said for... Yeah, exactly. Only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's somewhere in one of these lantern buildings, there's an actual fire truck, and just nobody realizes what it is. <laughs> like, and, and just be like, all right, I need you to use your elbow and break that glass. And the guy's like, won't that hurt my elbow forever? And he's like, hey, who's in charge here? Oh, <laughs> who's like, the... Can we use a rock or something? No. <laughs> oh gosh and Daisy, it's like Ron's like Tan stop and Daisy's like don't try to reason with him he's crazy it's like no I don't think he is he's not insane just confused and I like how maybe not even right here but in a little bit Rowden says that but then it shows him thinking like he actually does seem to be kind of a little bit insane at least but yeah I can't say he leaned that into it yeah my favorite part, since you bring that up, I know I'm jumping ahead too. My favorite part is like when Tan decides to kind of change his ways. His men are like, "No, no, we follow the crazy guy. We're not into this, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what? You guys want to follow the crazy guy? What? What? He makes us look better by comparison." Yeah, but yeah, so he's Andon was a sculptor, or Tan was a sculptor, and he's, he's insisting. He's like, "No, I'm not Tan. I'm Andon, the Baron of Elantris." And Ron's like. I mean, okay, if you want, but I don't see why anyone with, like, sculpting in their blood would rather be Andon than Tan. Not when you're in the City of the Gods, where, like, all the most amazing sculpture is. He's like, look at that table right there. And he wipes some of the the goop off. He's like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. (laughs) It's like, oh, my, um, I was going to destroy it. Uh, Did you seriously never think to look at your surroundings when you got... (laughs) (laughs) He never wiped anything off and, and start to look at it and be like, wow, look how beautiful this is. It's apparently, like, why don't you just wipe it off? Apparently, they're not big about wiping off the sludge here. Like, <laughs> yeah. Rowden is the first person to think of planting food. Also the first person to think, maybe we clean up some of the shit that's all over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, did they talk about this, that people have tried to, like, eat the sludge? Maybe. I, I think I in the early, the early chapters, they sort of mentioned, like, oh, yeah. Some people, like, the food dropped in the sludge and they picked up the food and ate it with the sludge on it. Oh, you're right, you're right. And then I think they did mention one point, yes, like, look, we tried to eat the slime, but, like, it just tastes absolutely horrific. (laughs) Worse than dead people. Yeah. Yeah. I would just think, like, if it it didn't taste that terrible, but if it tastes terrible, never mind. I was thinking, like, if it didn't taste that terrible, I'd even lick slime off the wall to get it clean just so that I have something to eat, too. But (laughs) if it tastes that bad. Yeah. Because as Joe mentions, like, Andon slash Tan is just like, oh my gosh, this is so great. I can't believe I almost destroyed it. And his men start moving, and Rowden's like, stop! Hasn't Tan's realization taught you anything? And they're like, no, we're not sculptors. (laughs) Also, that happened three seconds ago. Yeah. (laughs) And then he makes a different speech. I completely, okay, the the sculpture speech is not going to work on you guys. Got that. I got another one queued up, though. It's like, we have the chance to be free, free of, like, man's biggest burden, that of having to feed himself. We can do anything. 
I mean, he's not wrong, but it's like as somebody in the crowd, I just like if 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 it was legitimate, like not a story, and somebody was in the crowd hearing all this, I, I would imagine somebody would be like, "Bullshit, let's kill him." <laughs> you suck. You suck. yeah, get him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Apparently, and I don't know that I mentioned this before, but apparently they barely even need like shelter or clothing to keep them warm. They just they don't like get cold because they are cold. And so it says the group still eyed each other warily. Philosophic debate was not a match for the side of the, their enemies. And he tries to make his argument. He's like, dude, there are so few of us. We cannot stand to afford to lose any. And do you really want an eternity of pain? Is that a, 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 an exchange that's going to be worth it for you for a few moments of getting to release your hatred on each other? And then Tan, who's just been looking at the sculpture, is like, I'll join you. And nobody gives a shit at this point. He's like, put your weapons down, men. They're like, no, 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 no. And he's like, but I, I still lead. They're like, no, Baron Andin ruled us. He's like, you took off the mustache. You're no longer in charge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. We're a crazy guy. Gets it. Yeah. One of his men scoops up the mustache and sticks it on. It's like, now I'm in charge. Now I have the, the matrix of leadership. chosen me. <laughs> I like, I love this. Like, whoever puts on the mustache gets the, the, the great power of the mustache. Oh, yeah. New new shirt idea, mustache of leadership. <laughs> it's just a big mustache. Yeah. Really. I like this. And but like it's no. halfway hanging off because it's got a good yeah. mustache. So does that mean at the now, end of the chapter, now like maybe Robin I, gets it? now maybe I could have a turn with the box? The <laughs> box says no. <laughs> well, and really I I feel like maybe Daishi's because uh, a moment later, Robin's like, give up your anger and let me give you hope instead. I'm Katara. And Daishi, like, drops a sword. He's like, I can't kill today. And I'm like, what has really changed? Like, let's let's be honest here. I think it's just because it, it happens so quickly. I, I could have bought all this if it didn't happen within, like, a page and a half. Yeah. Because, I, yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah, he got he got Karada on side within about a chapter, but he actually worked for that. They went on a whole mad adventure together and, like, yep. that was for, for several hours. And he... Yeah, it's and it really seemed like, OK, yeah, we're good. He worked for that. Whereas this one, he just showed up and gave a couple of speeches in what seems like less than five minutes. And already people are dropping swords and it's like, yeah, OK, cool. That's really quick. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Zuko takes a, a growing character development trip with Aang and Sokka and then Katara and Toph never gets one. <laughs> uh, she, she's got to like him, too. Well, so yeah, she, she never hated him as much as the others. So also true. She kind of was. She was into, into giving him a chance from the beginning, and then he burned her feet accidentally, and it was all yeah. It and was she, and she she acknowledges like, yeah, that was my bad. Yeah, and she's like, no, let him join the team. I, then I can get some payback. <laughs> Which that's very tough. So oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so at the end, the chapter ends with everyone throwing down their weapons, kind of, except for I think some of Tan's men kind of grumble and leave. But he's like. Come with me, Tan. There's a building you should see. This one building that we've cleaned. And that's the end of Rowden's chapter. So two gangs down, one left to go. We're going to get, I don't think we're going to get the scene where Tan gets to the building, but when it's all pretty and shiny, I, I just like want to be there because Raiden brings him in and he's like, huh? Huh? And Tan's like, <laughs> it's beautiful. And then like his men are with him and they're like, gives a shit. <laughs> Tan's like, they should have sent a poet. But yeah. This, uh, we're two gangs down, so it really, it built it up like the gangs were going to be Rowden's thing that he was going to have to overcome, but we're still just over a third of the way through the book, and he's already got two of the three, so maybe that's not his primary, like, story arc. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the last gang will be the worst. I mean, it certainly sounds the worst. Shaors, yeah, wild men. Yeah, but then also, I, I, I gotta imagine that. Uh, again, I'm dipping into predictions here, but I gotta imagine Raiden's eventually gonna be facing off with Raiden to an extent. So, mm. or you know, the people angered by Raiden. There's one bit that I wanted to read from the annotations here. Let me find it. So it says Rowden, Rowden finally confronts Tan here in this chapter. I, I don't feel like it's a finally thing, but okay. In a way, the three gangs that Rowden has to defeat represent three things that the Elantrians themselves need to overcome. The first is their solitude, represented by Karada's exclusionary attitude. The second is self-pity, represented by Tan's indulgent madness. And the final is their pain, represented by the wild men of Sheor. The way, therefore, to defeat Tan was to turn his attention outside of himself. Self-pity melts when confronted with larger issues, such as the beauty and wonder of Elantris itself. I worry the scene itself was a bit too melodramatic. However, I've always said that the difference between drama and melodrama is how engaged the reader is by the story. So if everything worked out like it should, this section should seem powerful rather than over the top. I don't know if, if I powerful is the word I would use, but okay. I mean, I like the scene. It was just quick. Yeah. Well, and I didn't feel like... We're we're not the ones who need convincing by Rowden's speeches, but so I mean it doesn't feel like in, powerful and influential to me. But that's because I still need to eat, so you know whatever. Yeah, that's true. Uh oh, he also mentions he's like I do think, however, that Rowden's arguments are a bit too philosophical for his audience here. I did that intentionally. Rowden is a child of privilege, and he's something of a thinker. His philosophical arguments are probably the first things he himself would consider because of how curious and interesting they are. However, he doesn't achieve success with this crowd until he turns to more practical observations. In reality, his strongest ally in this scene was the way he broke the tension and the passion of the moment. Once Daishi's momentum was gone, he couldn't convince himself to continue. So maybe that's the explanation of why I was like, Daishi just kind of throws down his sword and I'm like, what exactly changed since a minute ago where you're like, no, we're going to get him. But I guess it's like once you make him stop and think, it... uh, he does. He does. He's not going to continue. So we get Serene's chapter and she shows up dressed in like pants, I guess. And everyone's like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I assume she's wearing like, you know, what you would normally wear while fencing, like pants and like yeah, a the... padded vest mm. thing that goes like under your crotch. It does say it's a gray jumpsuit. So, yeah, I guess it's probably similar to what we think of with fencing. And she's like, well, you didn't expect us to fight in dresses, did you? And she looks around and it's like, uh-huh, I guess they did. Mm-hmm. And, like, Luke will just pops up. He seems to do this a lot. Like, he did the same thing in the King's Throne Room where he, Serene's doing something. And he just pops up like, hey, what's up? Uh, let me make a, co- a snide comment here. He's like, hey, cuz, I'm here to uh, mess with you. How's it going? <laughs> and she's like, what the kids? Yeah. She's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I expect this to be the most entertaining experience of the week. I wouldn't miss this for anything. And then the little girl's like, yeah, me too. And he's like, I'm sorry. I got stuck with the with the babysitting, basically. And then his mom's right there like, hey, be nice to your siblings. Yes, yeah, mother. <laughs> but all the women have showed up from the embroidery circle, even the scatterbrained queen. And they're all ready to sword fight. I really hope that eventually scatterbrained queen smacks um, Iodon with her fencing sword. <laughs> now I am the boss. Because <laughs> you don't know how to fight. Who's got to shut up now, husband? Maybe so he'll I, make mustache and she'll use <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like wearing the mustache of power. I love it. Yes, if anyone was going to end up with the mustache of leadership or whatever, it should totally be Eshin. 
<laughs> yeah, so on the shirt, it's got to be a like a female with a mustache with leadership on. Just, just picturing her, like she's wearing the moustache, she's got the fencing sword, the rapier, and she is just beating Iodon like upside the head, and she's like, I told you, I fucking hate yellow! <laughs> but yeah, we get a whole, like, background of, like, the history of fencing on this planet, which maybe it's just Brandon trying to be like, yeah, I know fencing is, like, a, a modern thing in our world. But it also developed here, and I'm not just porting something that exists directly over there without considering the background. But what he said about the whole step family thing is like, yeah, look, that's a modern thing for us. But the good thing about fantasy is you can just throw whatever the fuck you want in there, even fire axes. Yeah, <laughs> it works. I just assumed maybe they were more technologically advanced as a society than what I thought they were in the beginning. Oh, that could be. Well, and it could be that, like, when Elantris was around, they were more advanced and they've, like, slid backwards since they don't have the magic anymore. Who knows? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, she's, like, apparently the in Dooladel, this is another thing Dooladel is known for, is their fencing. So. Is that why they're called duels? Oh, that totally should have been in there. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, missed yeah, opportunity, but, uh, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, everything's in Dooladel. <laughs> It's like that that line in uh, one of the Kingkiller books where it's like, it's common misconception, but only wines from Ventus have a vintage. That's why it's called that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Dooladel wasn't really a place. It's just this myth. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't tell Galadon that. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's the only one we've met from Dooladel so far. I'm that's what the... It's like, that's what the mysteries are. The mysteries are actually like a way of thinking that Dooladel's just a feeling inside of you as opposed to like an actual place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, if Jill wasn't a myth before, it is now. Well, no, it still exists. It's just like under different leadership. It's not a republic anymore. It's a kingdom, I think he said. Yeah, they use these light, which I, it does sound like a rapier, uh, but they're called sires. And yeah, I assume it's uh, close to a foil, basically. A foil, which yeah. is what you would use in fencing. That's yeah. that's that's what I was thinking. It was a foil. I wasn't. Joe took fencing lessons. I never got to. So really. Yeah, my college, it was actually kind of a stroke of luck. The first year that they offered it, I was I needed another physical education credit. The guy, uh, the professor that did it, ran a fencing and karate studio mm -hmm. in, locally in town. And so uh, I was just like, well, hell yeah, fencing sounds awesome. So yeah, I learned how to fence. It was pretty fun. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. I, a foil is my favorite for sure. I learned... Um, I learned the other two forms, but foils for sure my favorite. Apparently, fencing never caught on in Aralon because the Elantrians, they're not big on combat, or what they were not. And in Teo, men prefer more physical contests, such as jousting or broadsword sparring. But for women, the sire is perfect. It allows us to make full use of our dexterity and capitalize on our superior intelligence, she says, eyeing Lucal. <laughs> and so she chucks a sword to one of the women there, and she's like, defend yourself! And just goes at her, which I don't know if that's the best way to start a class, but okay. Training begins now. <laughs> <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Yeah. You, are not, you are not ready. And so she's got some, like, uh, sticks, basically, to use as uh, practice weapons until the armor gets done making some actual practice sires. And so she's trying to teach them, and we get this thing where the... A lot of people have learned when you try to teach somebody something, if you've never done it before, being good at something is a lot different from being able to teach it to other people. And she gets a little called out on that later. 
But eventually she gets them practicing and she goes and sits down next to Lukal and he's like, oh, it's tiring. It's like, you have no idea. It's like, hey, you want to give it a try? And he's like, uh, no, I can't afford to end up on the king's blacklist. My dad may be rich and important enough that he doesn't have to give a crap, but I am a merchant in the city and I need to uh, not be hated by the king. And Casey, the little girl, feels like she could have taught them better. And Lugal's like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, she didn't even teach them about reposting or proper form or tournament rules. And Serene's like, wait, you know about fencing? And she's like, I read a book. And Lugal's like, the sad thing is she probably did just so she could try and impress you. And uh, I like the way, I don't remember if we talked about it or not, but Brandon has commented that these kids are like his reaction to some of the kids in Ender's Game, which he's like, it's a really great book and everything. But I, I felt like it was a little unrealistic that... Like the kids, even if they're really smart kids, are still kids and they're going to react to stuff like kids and not necessarily be as mature as the kids in Ender's Game are. Yeah, I like what he's done here. He's made, yeah. you know, super intelligent kids that, like like you just said, still act like kids. Yeah, I believe. I totally buy it, her mentality. But apparently Casey can just, like, absorb knowledge, devours books left and right. And uh, her brother, really, he's just trying to keep up. And that's when Eondel and Shuden show up, and all the ladies are like, ooh, Shuden. But they don't like Eondel, because he's uh, he's an Aralon man who's military, so the king is like, that's beneath us. So they're kind of like looking down their noses at him, until he starts walking down the line correcting everyone and like fixing their forms for them. And that's uh, that's when, he, after he like kind of walks down the line and helps everybody a little bit, it's like, you're obviously good, but you don't have a lot of experience training others, right? And he says, she's like, oh, so you know about fencing? He's like, yeah, I visited Doolittle a bunch, and they refuse to recognize a man's fighting ability unless he can fence, no matter how many actual battles he's been in. And uh, she's like, so, hey, what about we have a little sparring match? She's like, I don't think that, I I mean, I've never fought with a woman before. I don't think that would be right. And once again, she doesn't wait for anybody's permission. She's just like, tosses a sword, defend yourself, and goes after him. Yeah, I feel bad for her in these moments. Because she she realized it's like, oh, this was irresponsible and also rude of me to do this. Right. But then, like, especially in this situation, because she doesn't get to apologize after. Yeah, I agree. But at, at least she's reflective enough to realize, even if it's after the fact, it's like, oh, that was that was really not smart of me. Like, I was kind of a jerk just now. And so he she realizes quickly that he's better than her, but he ends up letting her win because uh, basically not to do that would have made her look really bad and he kind of couldn't let that happen it's part of the political game and she's like Eandel let me win to protect my image so that i could you know help erlon this is not a game to him this is his country and he wants to protect it and then we got to look at shudan who while everyone else is distracted was uh doing his own little workout thing and it's like a dance it's yeah like he... it just made me think of uh tai chi or something yeah, it's yeah. very like Tai Chi. And he just gradually kind of gets faster and faster with it until he finishes. And it's like everyone's just staring at him like, oh, my gosh. And he, he, he says in the uh, in the annotations, he's like, so clearly um, it, the with Shuden's Shan dance and stuff, his culture's borrowed from some Asian ideas. In fact, the link is so strong that some readers have trouble imagining his features not looking kind of Asian. Yeah, I'm right here. That was. I'm yeah, raising my hand. See, you guys I, can't see me. <laughs> see, I I picture him. Even though this is heavily, it's clear that it's heavily borrowed from that culture. I pictured him as having more like bronze skin, 
and maybe having more of like the facial features of like a Greek. And like when I thought of honestly, he makes me think of uh Dak, who's the guy in Game of Thrones that slays the mountain? Oh, um yeah, the Red Viper. Yeah, he this guy makes me this guy makes me think of the Red Viper. Over he, in said, That's his name. he says here that the Jindo have dark brown skin, though I guess you'll imagine shooting however you wish. And he also oh, says hey, it looks like I got it. He did imagine this martial art to feel a bit like Tai Chi. He says, I've always kind of thought that Tai Chi would look more interesting if it's slowly sped up. <laughs> Burned, Tai Chi. Okay. <laughs> yeah, basically Brandon's saying, hey, Tai Chi, you're not cool enough. Oh, my gosh. Well, like, after after he's finished and all the women are just staring, like, slack-jawed at him, she's like, dang it, now I'm never going to get them to focus. Everyone else in the room is fencing, right? So we're all practicing lunges and, and watching this sparring battle, and this guy's overdoing his fast Tai Chi in the corner? Like, it's a bit weird. <laughs> it, is a, it is a bit weird. <laughs> well, and Yandel's like, yeah, you know, he, he complains about having to chase women away, but he can't resist showing off. He's still a young man. Yeah, he's got his eyes closed being like, are they looking? But they're looking. <laughs> and he's like, I'm so sorry. Your sparring made me want to exercise. I thought everyone would be too busy practicing to notice. Sure, shooting, sure. And he says that Chase-Shan is a warm-up to focus your mind and body when preparing for battle. And then it cuts to after the practice, and she's like, man, those those women are going to be so sore tomorrow. And Aisha's like, you seem really enthusiastic about that. You're, like, you're enjoying that way too much. It's like, it's good for them. They're so pampered, they've never felt anything more serious than a prick of a stitching needle. And Aish mentions that he, sorry, he missed it because he hasn't watched a Chase Shan exercise in decades. And she's like, wait, you've seen that before? He's like, I've seen lots of stuff. A seance life is very long. We, we still don't know how long, so. I had the dumbest comparison in my head when I read that line. We watched Highlander recently. <laughs> and um, and when, when Aish says, oh, I've seen many things, I was reminded of the bit where <laughs> they're talking to Highlander. It's like, you, you sound kind of funny. Where are you from? Many places. Uh, I haven't seen that the original movie in such a long time. I should go back and watch that. It is so fucking cheesy, but it's great. I used to watch the show, and I watched a couple episodes of that not that long ago, and it was it's just like, wow, this show yeah. is silly. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not it's not like the franchise started with a super serious thing and then got more silly as it went on. It started pretty cheesy. Yeah, McLeod uh, is the name of the Highlander, right? Yes. Yeah. Duncan McLeod. Yeah, that always made me think of Macbeth, and um, I'm digressing here. Do you guys see there's like a new Macbeth from like the Coen Brothers coming out? No. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah, it looks pretty interesting. The Scottish play, you mean? I've never subscribed to that superstition. <laughs> I, 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 especially like when I did theater stuff in college, everybody would like call it that, and I'd be like, the fuck, it's called Macbeth. Nobody, nobody gives a shit. Nothing's bad. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. And then, so, then something bad happened to you while working in theater in college? Oh, I, yeah, I guess that's true. That did happen. But, <laughs> we, but I mean, it had nothing to do with the play we were doing or Macbeth in general. You, you said it earlier that night. You just don't remember. May, you know what? You may be right. I don't know. We were, doing, we were doing the play. We were doing a musical version of A Christmas Carol, so I don't know that they're really connected. But, yeah, I did get hit in the head by some metal scaffolding and uh, mess up my hand really bad. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, somebody, somebody, as always, when you're working with other people on, like, set stuff, it's like, uh, the only times I've ever gotten injured is when somebody else did something 
and didn't say anything or or caused the injury to happen to me. Uh, and that was the case in this. I was unscrewing some metal scaffolding. I was on one side and I said, okay, uh, I'm going to do my part and then I'm going to hold it and then we'll unscrew yours. And the other person just proceeded to unscrew it without waiting for me. So then when I unscrewed my side, uh, it, it collapsed and hit me in the head. Uh, and so uh, I had to go to the hospital. It was super fun. No. Yeah, I got like knocked unconscious and I didn't remember much in between like getting hit and going to the hospital. But they told me that like I was like kind of just groaning and I wasn't like moving. So they thought like I had like hurt my neck or something. So they were kind of freaked out. Yeah. Fun stuff. Theater. More dangerous than you thought. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're done, when you're working with assholes or idiots. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's never happened to. to Dad. Yeah. He's never worked with anyone that was an asshole in theater. <laughs> you know, this kid actually ended up being both. Uh, yeah, he's, he doesn't listen to the podcast. I don't care if I tell his story. He, he was he I always thought he was kind of an idiot. And then he dated this girl all through college. They got engaged. Then he broke it off because he was an asshole so like you know sure both he he proved being an idiot and an asshole well there you go uh okay sorry back to back to serene she's going to visit father omen at the local karathi temple and h will not go inside the church he hangs out outside and as she walks in she puts like into the donation box or whatever kind of the last of the money that she brought with her so she's going to be kind of broke and uh Apparently, Korathi chapels are way nicer and friendlier than Dorethi chapels. Shocker, I'm sure. No one expects such a thing. And Omen, uh, Joe, Joe or or Dak, I guess it was Dak, was like, you know, he has, uh, looks like he has Alzheimer's or something. And I'm just like, I don't know that that's the case. I think it's, he's just kind of dist- easily distracted. I guess. I mean, I would buy that, except he, he, it almost like he forgot she was like there to begin with mm. at one point. He's kind of like. Yeah. Oh hey, when did you get here? Like that's not that's that's not normal. Just like forgetfulness or like distraction. That's like there's something wrong with him. Mm, okay, that's fair. So yeah, he's just like you're, you're troubled about something, and she's like, uh, she she notes that this is this guy is a good man. Something she could not say about all of the priests. Some of them back in Teo uh, infuriate her horribly. Uh, he has an annoying habit of letting his thoughts drift. And he sometimes gets so distracted that minutes would pass by without him realizing someone was waiting for him to speak. But she's like, I need to find out about the widow's trial and no one wants to explain it to me. And I think she makes a mistake here because he's like, oh, yeah, that would be confusing for a newcomer. And she's like, why won't anyone explain? You shouldn't have gone for explain to me why someone won't explain. You should have just gone straight for can you explain, please? But he's like, oh, you know, it's this leftover ceremony from when the Elantrians were here. And so anything to do with that is kind of taboo. But it's like, I'll explain to you. Since your husband died, you're expected to show your grief openly. Otherwise, people won't think you loved him. He's, she's like, well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really even know him. He's like, yeah, but you need to do it anyway. It would be a bad sign because it's an, uh, an expression of how important she thought her union and her husband were. So it's like you give away stuff to less fortunate people, kind of. Considering how it was built up, this is actually like nowhere near as bad as we thought it was going to be. Right. Like, they made such a big deal out of it. And then it's like, like, the, eh. the nobles were banging on about how, oh, yeah, the trial's probably going to kill you. I'm like, what? No, what he said was, I don't think that we should be most popular right after we die. Because he's thinking about himself, like, after I die and my widow has to do this trial, everyone will love me because they're getting all this free stuff. And so suddenly right. I'll be popular, but I won't be around to enjoy it. Okay. 
that makes more sense. At the time when we read it, it really just did just sound like, oh yeah, like we got to do something that's probably going to kill us to make us popular among mm. the complex. And, and just because we're missing the context because no one fucking talked about it. And now we have that context. I'm just like, you guys are an overdramatic bunch. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. They get kind of distracted off on a side thing about she's like, oh, you don't think the Elantrians were bad? And he's like, look, I, I've been here a while. I knew Elantrians. They were some some of them were some of the best people I've ever knew, known. Noon. That's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, the shade took men both good, bad, selfless and selfish, which yeah, I think we've seen that that's how that works. And they talk about, like, what what happened? Why did Domi do this to the Elantrians or whatever? And it's like, Domi works in mysterious ways, basically. <laughs> like, the, sometimes we must fall, sometimes we will rise. And, like, why do we fall, Master Bruce? <laughs> so, we, so we can learn to pick ourselves back up. The size of a tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But, no, here's the part that you're talking about, because they're talking about the Gjorn. And she's like, maybe he wants people to have hatred. And the, the priest, Father Roman's like, but why? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, I can't believe any follower of God, even a Gjorn, would do something like that. He kind of looks off into the distance, contemplating that. And she's like, Father? Uh, Father? He's like, oh, I'm sorry, what were we talking about? He didn't actually finish telling me what the widow's trial was? Right, right, right. So you have to do something for the country. The more love, the more you loved your husband, the more lofty your station, the more extravagant the thing you do is supposed to be. Most women give food or clothing to the peasants. The more you are involved personally, the better the impression you give. It's a method of service of bringing humility to the exalted. And she's like, oh, shit, I don't, I don't have any money. And he's like, but what are you talking about? You're one of the richest people in the country, don't you know? What? You inherited Prince Rowden's estate. He was super rich, like... Given that the king's government says, like, being rich makes you higher up in, like, importance, the crown prince, the heir to the throne, couldn't be poor. So he's super rich. So now you are fabulously wealthy. Yeah, we're not just rich. We're super rich. <laughs> he's like, I mean, I'm sure if you go talk to the royal treasurer, he will give you some money. So it's, it's a lucky thing that she talked to somebody about this because she had no idea she was going to be walking around broke. Again, I feel like... Where, Where's where's Uncle Keen and Cousin Lucal to explain this shit to her? Honestly, I feel like you should know if you're married to the guy, he's dead, you get his stuff. Maybe she should have asked, what okay, sort of fair. stuff did I inherit from my yeah, husband? That's a, that's a good point. She, she didn't want to just show up and be like the gold digger and it's like, all right, so he's dead. Uh, what was in the will? Yeah, it's like, uh, how nice a car am I getting? <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be like uh, like knives out. <laughs> Now I want to watch Knives Out. I just, just that's it. It's that's an a, excellent movie. Yeah. It's a donut hole with another donut <laughs> hole in the hole. What yeah, a small donut with a hole of its own. I think we've talked we've talked about this. I I wasn't a big fan of that movie, but that character in the movie was amazing. So that's maybe the, maybe the sequel you'll like better. Yeah, I hope so. I won't figure out who done it in like five seconds like I did with that movie. I really thought that that movie took a, a cool approach where it's like, it was like, oh no, we're not figuring out who done it. Here's who done it. Here's exactly what happened. And then I was like, that's smart. I mean, you, you get that in Columbo, I guess. That's how Columbo did it. It would like show you who done it. And the interesting thing was figuring out was watching Columbo get there. Yeah. But uh, in this one, it's like, yep, we're going to start out with exactly showing you exactly what happened. And the interesting thing is going to be watching how she tries to cover it up. And then we find out at the end, oh wait, it was, there's actually a, Another donut inside the donut hole. Yeah. Just like he says. 
So I thought that was a really cool approach. I didn't, I didn't figure it out instantly. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm just dumb. And that's why I thought it was cool. Nah, you're not dumb. Uh, she goes back outside. She's like, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't come in. Like Omen liked Elantrians. He, he'd probably be fine with you coming into the chapel. He's a nice dude. And she, he, and Aisha's like, I just, I, it's probably better that me and priests stay away from each other. And she's like, did you hear our conversation? He's like, seans have very good ears. And she says, you, you don't actually have ears at all, but what do you think? Wait, 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 hang on. You, you missed the bit. It's like, oh, the reason he doesn't go into uh, Karathi chapels is because the patriarch of Shu Korath threw him out of one. Uh, and so yep, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm just picturing like this really old like priest who's got a stoop in his back. He's probably got a limp, just like charging out of this chapel, holding the seon in his hand and just <laughs> pitching him like a ball into the lake. <laughs> yeah, see, there's the story. I cast thee out. <laughs> This, this this is like the uh the 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 book that Joe wants to read instead about the the Dorethi mo- monasteries or whatever. I want to I want to yeah. see this story. Yeah, like, we get like a short story about a seon getting thrown out in a <laughs> monastery. It's like, what did he do to get thrown out? Was he literally thrown out? Did the priest punt him like a football or? I, I think that Seon would probably leave willingly if the priest told him to leave. I don't think we would get to the point yeah. of needing to be <laughs> physically ejected. Thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know, like, but I, he's like, I choose to hit him with holy water. The power of <laughs> the power of Shukorath compels you. I, don't know, I just the the sentence says have thrown him out of one, and I choose to take that literally. <laughs> like, I think it's like a bowling a cricket ball. <laughs> <laughs> it does give more context to earlier conversations where Aisha's is like, yeah, it's like a, the people in the city, your God is forgotten where he's very clearly like, yeah, you're God, whatever, because I've been kicked out of the church. Oh gosh. And so the, Serene's like, so what is, what is Raythan up to with Elantris? What is he trying to do? Why is he like paying attention to the city so much? And Aisha's like, yeah, I don't know either. And she's like, maybe I don't need to know what he's doing to block him. And Aisha's like, well, it would help. She's like, no, no, if the Gjorn wants people to hate Elantris, then I need to just make the opposite happen. And once again, we're it's somebody who does not want to share their plan. And she's like, what are you planning? And she's like, you'll see. It's very, uh, it reminds me of Hannibal from the A-Team, where she's not going to tell anybody. And then at the end, she's going to put a cigar in her mouth and be like, I love it when a plan comes together. But we cut to her and her dad having a, a conference call or a, a Seon face phone call, whatever you want to call them, where the Seon turns into the person's head and it's Jor-El, master of scheduling. <laughs> and uh she's like he's like oh i'm so glad i've been worried about you i'm glad you called she's like well you could have called me and he's like i don't want to intrude i know you know you value your independence and she's like yeah we don't have time to worry about each other's feelings right now he says he has to, he had to put down another jeskery mystery cult so there's the jesker mysteries that we were hearing about also uh the fjordal ambassador has left the country he's re- they've recalled their ambassador like france did to the u.s and australia so you know that's bad <laughs> Yep. Yeah. And he tells her, he's like, I'm scared. This is not good. And she's like, no, you shouldn't yeah. say things like that. And he's like, I'd only, I only tell you. If this is a diplomatic ship, then where is the ambassador? <laughs> he left. I don't know what to tell you. He packed his shit and went home. She says, there's a Gjorn here. And he's like, oh, fuck. And she's like, I can handle him. It's fine. And he says, which one is it? Which... I didn't think about it before, but if there's only 20 of them and you've got good intelligence, then you would know each one, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you'd have a file on each of the 20. And she's like, "He's his name is Rathen. And her dad's like, oh, shit. Do you know who that is? That's the one that was assigned to Dooladel six months before it collapsed. And she's like, yeah, I kind of figured that. He's like, no, we're getting you out of there. 
do you know do you know what happened in Dula? like tens of thousands of people died i'm sending a ship for you now and she refuses to leave and says i have to stay here all my stuff is here <laughs> apparently she does have a lot of stuff that she just inherited she hadn't even gotten to, to figure that all out yet so maybe <laughs> and he's like what you don't owe them any loyalty what to a husband you never knew and a people that aren't yours and she has to go in her her dad doesn't understand and she's like oh you could never see it look to you i'm your like intelligent daughter to everybody else in that country like i'm a joke you, you had to notice that no guy was ever like interested in me I'm, I'm the king spinster daughter, a shrew no one wanted to touch. Men laugh at me behind my back. This is actually just heartbreaking. It really is. It's so sad to have to, like, explain to her dad also. It's like not just that we mm -hmm. find this out about Serene, but that she has to tell her dad, like, you don't understand what it was like for me there. Mm -hmm. She's like, men don't want an intelligent wife. Here, I'm like a widow. There, I'm the unmarried daughter of the king. There's a big difference between the two. And he's like, no, no, we'll find somebody for you. It's fine. And she's like, no, now that my brother has children, no husband of mine will ever be on the throne. And that's the only reason anyone would want to marry me. So that's so sad. And so she's uh, desperately looking to change away from this awkward topic. She's like, oh, by the way, Uncle Keen is here. And her dad's like, don't do not say that man's name to me. And she's like, but it's, no. O OK, then. Um, so that's not a whole lot more information about what happened there, but it's some and it's not good. I don't know, any theories just while we're here? I mean, ah. falling out. Mm. Yeah. It happens. I mean, maybe it has something to do with him, like, not being loyal to Teod, like, being, but be basically, like, being like, oh, no, I'm going to make my own way, or mm. I'm going to be a merchant or something. Or maybe it's tied up in Elantris. Who knows? Interesting. Okay. So that changed topic again. She's like, so what do you think Wern is planning? And he's like, I don't know. Teal merchants uh, are disappearing and our ambassador is starting to disappear. And she's like, what about your spies vanishing almost as quickly? Basically sending a spy into Fjord in these days is just sending them to their deaths. And she's like, but you do it anyway. He's like, yeah, I mean, what, what else can I do? We have to try to get information. It could save thousands of lives. I just wish I could get someone into decor, which, as we recall, is the monastery that Hraithan talks about being like the worst and the one where he spent some time. So we know what the other monasteries do. Rathbor trains assassins. Fjeldor trains spies. Most of the others train warriors. Decor worries me. I've heard horrible stories, and I can't fathom why anyone, even the Dorethi, would do such things. Well, that's just a, <laughs> that's just a tease. Come on. Yeah, I mean, one trains assassins, one trains spies. Maybe the third one trains assassin spies. Ooh, assassin spies. Spy assassins. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Spisons, that's better. No, us bisons. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I got us you. Bisons. Now, now you're just making me think of Dune with spice. <laughs> sure. Um, but he says, like, if Wern declares war against us, then we're done. I can't just let my people be slaughtered. And she's like, you would consider surrendering? And he's like, look, a king has to protect his people. So if we're come down, if it comes down to either we convert or we're destroyed, I think I would have to choose conversion. Which I, I don't blame him for that. It. I don't know how important their religion is to them as a, as a people, but if it's like everyone dies or you change your official religion, it's like maybe we look at changing our official religion. I don't. Um, yeah. One of, my, uh, one of my favorite lines from A Song of Ice and Fire is like, if, if the odds are against you, kneel, because a man who's kneeling can always get back up again. A dead man can't. Yeah, there you go. And she basically says, she's like, what do you mean like the Jindo did? And he's like, well, the Jindo are wise. They did what they needed to to, to survive. 
And he's like, look, there's only two nations left now. If Aralon falls, then I'm going to have to surrender. He says something here. Sorry, I wanted to see if I could find. I skipped it or it might not be yet. Oh, she says it when she's talking about uh, where else could she possibly look for a husband. It's like, should I chase after the rumors of lands beyond the impenetrable mountains north of Teod? No, there's no one out there. So apparently, when you look at the map, there's like mountains north of Teod and they're like, there's rumors that there's other people living up there, but that's just rumors, right? No, of course not. When you look at the map, it's like, it says Rose Barbarians question mark. So it's really, I think this is uh, hmm. the the potential for other people living up there is a bigger problem for Wern. Like, as he thinks that he just has to conquer two more countries, too. But if everybody in the world has to follow you and it turns out there's more people beyond the mountains, it's like, damn it, I thought we were done. And then uh, the king's like, by the way, if you can find out why Wern is sinking Idon's ships, will you let me know, please? And she's like, what? Like, oh, yeah, King Idon lost nearly his entire merchant fleet. The official reports are that the sinkings were the work of pirates. Some remnant of Drioke Crushed Throat's fleet, which is, that's a cool pirate name. What a name. Yeah. But my sources are linking it with Fjorden, and we find out <laughs> that's what that's what the king was learning the other day, uh, that his fleet has been sunk. And she's like, oh, holy crap. That's what, they're trying to make him lose his income so that he'll lose the throne. And her dad's like, seriously, like all that nonsense about rank being tied to money is actually true. And she's like, oh, yeah, like they're they're fucking crazy over here. And so it's she's like, it's probably tell That's why he spent all that money. He wants to show how financially sound he is. And also I, she doesn't mention it, but you have to remember that tell and Iodon, we found out last time, both have like they both trade in the same area. They're both they have competing fleets trading on the Sea of Fjordal, basically. So. If Iodons is gone, Tellery gets all that business, basically. He's picking up everything that gets dropped by Iodons' fleet, basically. So it's very good for his pocketbook. Which, no wonder he made a deal with Horathan if that was the deal. And so she's like, damn it, I'm going to have to help Iodon now. He's like, yeah, I guess Horathan has kind of chosen our allies for us. And she's like, yeah, he, we, we chose teams for dodgeball, and I end up with Elantris and Iodon, the two most great. hated things ever. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> Great. You stuck with Plague City and with King Dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> One eye, lobster mooch, drunken garbage can. <laughs> hey, drunken garbage can's pretty good. <laughs> and so then we cut to her after her discussion. She's just laying there thinking about the the ramifications of everything that's been said and remembering home and how she misses some stuff. And then she hears a weird noise, and that's where the chapter stops. It's like, what? Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, Raiden came to the palace last time, so it's not that. So I was just like, oh man, are we going to get this next bid in, uh, from Raiden? Is he going to be at the palace for some reason? Mm. I don't know why this just popped in my head, but I was just like, Saki, in the middle of the day? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good scene. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, Sonny Chiba just recently died, too. Sad times. No. So did Willie Garson. Also sad. Okay, so... That is our two chapters. So predicaments. What do you guys? We've gotten some new information. Some new. We finally found out for one thing what the hell the deal was more or less between Hraithan and Tellery that it kept keeping a secret from us. So that's nice. But yeah, so, yeah, there was a lot of cliffhangers involved with that one. Yeah. So what do you guys think with the uh, the the new? You know, we lost another gang. We found out some more information. What do we see happening next? Okay. So I. Think now that we know what the uh, widow's trial is, 
I think Serene is going to be like, okay, what is something I can do that is going to utterly fuck with Hraithen as much as possible while still fulfilling the terms of this trial? So I think she is going to go out of her way and just lavish a whole lot of money and goodwill towards the Elantrians themselves to try and say, these guys are not as bad. These guys are better than Hraithen says. Don't listen to him. They're good. So she's going to do something involved going into the city and like trying to like have an outreach program or something uh, in Elantris. Um, Mm. Because this, yeah, it directly runs counter to, to Hraithen's ideals. And then that will probably set the stage for, you know, she might bump into Rayadin and then can actually have her reunion with her gross looking husband. Yeah, you guys have been talking about for like weeks now. You're like, at some point, Rayodin and Serene have like their stories have to cross each other. They have to meet up or something because it would be weird if they didn't. So maybe yeah. that's an opportunity. Yeah. So that that's really the main prediction I got from what we've read this week. I don't have much else what Raiden's going to do next with it now that he's got Tarn with him. And he's got the two gangs. I do have another prediction that has nothing to do with anything we read this week. But I good, thought good. during the week, I just, I've just been sort of thinking about it. And I thought it is going to be hilarious if it, like, it gets to the very end of the book. And Dilaf, like, the because he's so fervent in his hatred and his passion, he's just such a psych, basically a sociopath. or so, No, psychopath in, in his attitudes towards Elantris. That motherfucker is going to become an Elantrian himself. And it's going to be hilarious. Oh, that would be a thing. Oh, my gosh. That would, yeah, I can't, I, I really feel like that's got to be where his story is building to, and it's going to be amazing when it when it comes. Would he keep trying to destroy Elantris, or would he, like, change sides if he ends up an Elantrian? Honestly, I think he would just blue screen mentally and just, like, lie down in the street, just like, what have I become? And, like, just mm. cannot bring himself to do anything else. And then maybe, mm-hmm. r- maybe uh, Raiden w- could just be like, "Hey, man, it's all good. Come with me." And because Raiden, like, people are just drawn to him and listen to him. Maybe he'll get Dilaf on his feet again, but uh, maybe not. Maybe Dilaf just like, "Fuck, man, collapse a building on me. I'm done." Dilaf, how do you feel about sculpture? I got <laughs> something for you. I, I, I love this. I love this conceptually. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm right with Dak on the predictions about. Um, Sereni, I think she's asked several times about uh, about who gives food to the Elantrians, and people saying well, they don't give food. Nobody brings them food. So I think specifically she's going to bring food, and I think that's actually going to kind of screw up what Raiden's doing. So I don't know. I think her good intentions are actually going to have a bad effect. Um, oh. So by trying to show goodwill to the Elantrians, I think what's actually going to happen is she's going to rile up the Elantrians and cause a a scene or a problem. And that's going to feed unintentionally into Freethan's thing. So, yeah, I think that's that's going to be an issue for her doing this trial. And also, I don't know. Even though that is what I think is going to happen, I don't see how giving food to the Elantrians would ingratiate herself with the people of of Aralon. So I feel like yeah. that's going to create issues as well, because you know she's supposed to be providing a service to the to the people, and all the people of that area are scared of it. even even the ones that don't hate them are kind of either indifferent or scared of the Elantrians. They're not like interested in helping them in any way. So I don't know that that's going to work. That is what I think is going to happen, but I don't think it's going to work out for her. 
And uh, as far as Raiden stuff, again, things are going too good for him. I think the other shoe's going to drop here pretty quick, maybe as a part of the trial that if I'm if you know, if we're right about the trial, maybe as a part of that, things are going to kind of get screwed up for him at some point. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what Raiden's doing in the next chapter. But, I'm, uh, you know, he's obviously got some big stuff going if he he asked Viking Pope to uh, take out these ships then uh then they're getting set to uh to cut iodon out of iodon out of the throne so even the even the monies that she was supposed to have from her husband's estate like i don't know if all that money's still there uh, it it wouldn't surprise me that if iodon's in dire dire straits that he's dipping into that cash so we'll see i guess pretty soon maybe what's what's going to happen with that but yeah that's uh that's what i got Hmm, interesting. People people are going to be like, Elantrians don't count as people. Give us free stuff. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay. I was sort of thinking the other way in terms of Sereni and Raiden meeting up. Even he's brought up that he would grab his letters. I was thinking that maybe he would leave Elantris again to go and get the letters, maybe, or to, to find something, just because we've, we've got... We know he can get in and out. Well, in is a bit more difficult, but out, definitely. But Haraythan struck a deal with that guard to say, like, can you capture the next person who you, who you find outside the walls and bring them to me directly? So I thought that might be a nice sort of way for those characters to get introduced. But also if, if it might be a good way for him to be introduced to Serene as well, which could sort of tie into what Joe was thinking about having her um, deliver food to the Elantrians or something. Like she's then she understands a little bit more about what's going on and it's like they're not they're not the devil. Maybe that's how that would tie together. So I was sort of thinking he would leave again. And in terms of the the gangs, I mean we've we sort of covered this in the episode, but I think that that third gang, they're gonna have to put up some sort of challenge. I think it would just be too easy to have all three come over pretty quickly especially when you do have some people that have been undead in there for quite some time there are some of them that are actually losing it so you're not going to win everyone so so simply i would hope it's a bit why do we even bother having that part of the story if it's too easy there but i'm hoping that there'll be a bit of a challenge in there not sure what that would look like yet or how far down the book it'll it'll happen but i imagine it would happen sort of soon they can't just let one rogue gang run around if everyone else is on the same page now. But right. Yeah, that's that's kind of all I've got at the moment. I do like the idea because it does seem like they set it up because he's like, hey, Captain, bring me the next guy you find. And this is right after Rowden's just shown that he can get out whenever he wants. So it does seem like a perfect setup for Rowden to be the guy that ends up brought to Hraithan. But then you got to wonder what Hraithan is going to do with Melantrian when he gets one. That could be very, very bad for our boy Rowden. Yeah. I mean, it could be Rowden. I mean, maybe Galadon might go. I don't know. He doesn't really oh. strike that would leave necessarily. He's not. He's not exactly comfortable with everything that's going on inside the walls, let alone leaving the walls. But he's also just learnt that his home land is completely different now. Who knows what he'll do as well? But yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're gonna have to see that that part of the story, whether it's Rowden or someone else, but I just I don't know who else would leave at this point. Who else has got reason to leave? I mean, Karada's got reason to leave. She's also left a note for her daughter. 
or child. I can't remember if it was a girl, actually. I think it was a girl. You know, maybe maybe there's some information in there. Maybe we see someone else has got the note, maybe. Maybe maybe Serini finds the note somehow. I don't know. But something's going to have to happen there one way or the other that she meets an Elantrian, whether they come to her or she comes to them. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Got to happen at some point. I agree. A fairly pointless book if it's just a whole bunch of stories that yeah we don't never connect in any way <laughs> it's like and they all three lived happily separate lives wait what i don't know how harathan and like serene end their stories happily and separately but yeah maybe yeah so serene goes back to teod and just leaves aralon behind forever harathan conquers aralon it's like cool now i'm gonna go find these rose barbarians <laughs> question yeah. mark the rest are having tea parties inside Elantris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the corn grew. Yeah. Yay. The corn. And there yeah. was corn for all. And there was much celebrating. Yay. They, they renamed themselves the children of the corn. <laughs> Ooh, bum, yeah. bum, bum. It all fits together so well. <laughs> Seamless, ne? <laughs> okay. We had two new emails this week. One is from Retro Rocket. Haven't heard from Retro Rocket in a little while. It says, hey, Sander Lanch crew. Been a while. Been active in the Discord, but you haven't seemed to be having troubles with the number of emails coming in. And now with a direct pipeline to data, it has seemed less necessary. But I was re-listening to the podcast, and in episode 18, Dak makes the prediction even more egregious than Volcanoes, and I had to share. Namely, Dak was speculating on book two, and he came up with the remaining Inquisitors will come riding in on Kolos, which I think is my favorite prediction so far. So that, that was a good prediction, right? The Inquisitors riding the Coloss, since we had no idea what Coloss were. <laughs> the Inquisitors yeah, didn't come true. riding in or anything. The Inquisitors didn't come in. They it's... never came in in book two. Yep. No, yeah. They uh, they were all fapping about. <laughs> fapping about? Except for Marsh. Marsh got shit done. Yeah. Uh, also, was going to ask some Cosmere-related questions, but that might be better to wait until the whole team's together again. Hey, well, guess what? I guess to that end, here are some specific questions. Brandon has stated that flaws make characters interesting. And so in this light, what do you think of the characters in Elantris as it relates to that? Hmm. Was that flaws make characters interesting? Yeah. F-L-A-W-S, in case I was... I'm pretty sure that, like, the tiles beneath someone's feet are not what makes it interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, why I spelled it out about, real quick to make sure we were saying flaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess in, in the case of Elantris, I would say that uh, the flaws of the characters have given them more depth. So by definition, I guess you could say that, yes, I agree. It makes them more interesting. Like, uh, like for example, the one we were talking about just now, Serini realizing like, oh, that was inappropriate for me to do that. Like she's flawed, but at the same time, she's also very self-aware. So it lets us in on the fact that like, that's not just her, how she is. She made a mistake and she knows she made a mistake and she sees, you know, she sees that she's observant of her own behavior in a way that I wish, I wish I was that self-observant. God knows I put my foot in my mouth right? Uh, oh, yeah. a lot. So you know, that does add a lot more interesting glare to her. Uh, I feel like maybe she, we've gotten the most layers from her, maybe. Hraithen has some interesting layers too, but there's a lot of doubt, a lot of doubt about like his motives. So it's hard to, but uh, hard to get on his side, but at the same time, he's very interesting. 
but I think I think for me, like I've said in the past, I think zealots are just usually more interesting characters. But then, uh, but then Raiden has kind of played it played it close to the vest. So while we see like we're getting peeks into his psyche or his mind, uh, at the same time, I feel like he's probably the one we've gotten to to know the least. But at the same time, he is still very interesting. But as far as flaws go. I mean that's that's kind of my, almost my complaint. The guy seems pretty flawless. Yeah. So, yeah besides the fact he, that he's things dead. keep working out for him. Yeah, exactly. Besides the fact that he died, uh, you know, which is not a flaw per se. But you well, know, a loser, he just, he died yeah. on. <laughs> oh, God, he died. But you know what I mean? Like you know, things keep working out for Raiden in ways that they probably shouldn't, which is why I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. But yeah, no, uh, I, I'd say the layers and the flaws that we've seen in Serenity that she's observant of. Uh, for sure, have made her a more interesting character. Yeah, I don't. I, I think we've still got a bit to learn about Red, and I'm sure he'll have something that doesn't work his way. But yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, he's brilliant, and he's so good at this, and so good at that." I think the only thing they said he was not good at was cards. Oh yeah, they but, did say that. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, he um, there, there's got to be some sort of issue there that we find out later. I thought I mean, it was that he chose to lose at cards because he knew it made the other person happy. I think yeah, it was well, both, actually. Both, yeah. But, you know, like no one's really had a bad word to say about him at this point. So I guess we'll probably end up in a situation where he'll do something or say something and we all go, ooh, that's, you know, interesting. But they've got to be able to overcome that a bit or, you know, like Serena, she owns it, which is, is mm. good. She's, oh, whoops, yep, made a mistake. Don't just sweep it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen or become arrogant about it and go, well, you know, you should just do what I say or anything <laughs> <laughs> You know, they, they seem to be still good characters, which is nice. Yeah, I, I guess it'll it'll show a little bit more throughout the book and highlight them. But, yeah, it gives them depth and it makes them interesting. I mean, you don't want to read about a whole bunch of perfect characters all the time. That's right. boring. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the one thing so far that, and especially in this chapter that is getting called, or, well, the last chapter, that it's just like, Rowden's kind of almost too perfect and he makes his big speech and everyone's like, yeah, this guy's right. And so it's a little too... Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. But see, even if he was to go, oh, I'm so great at everything, that would be a character flaw. Because That's true. <laughs> but he's not even like that. He is great at everything, but he's quite nice about it. I'm also so modest, you don't even know. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, he's just got a really high charisma score. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> okay, hold on. This is the other question that he asks is, uh, would you rather be an Elantrian zombie or a Ska slave? Yeah, no, right? Well, I would say that depends. At this point, I assume the Elantrians are going to learn how to use magic. The Ska slaves, if they're truly Ska with no noble blood in them, would not be able to use magic. So I'm going to go with uh, with the Elantrian, because, you know, magic. <laughs> yeah, I would probably go the same. And plus, the, the Elantrians seem to have a bit more independence. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. People aren't like they don't have the nobility out to actually get them. Like, what that happens is they like they cross one of the other gangs and that and that gang comes for them. But it's like they don't have the nobles constantly watching over them, coming to get them. Right. I haven't been singing. It sucks to be an Elantrian. I'll say that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I still. I, I don't really want to be either of them. I know, right? That's my thought too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that an option? Can we choose to not be either? <laughs> Just. Can I, I want to be me. Is that a, is that a thing that I can choose? Because I like me. 
I think the choice is a lot harder, like, pre-Rowden, because life as an Elantrian also would just be awful because you're not going to die. Every little pain you get, you have to live with forever. You're thinking about being hungry and all that sort of stuff. Definitely since Rowden's there and, like, giving them purpose and, and trying to do all these good things, I would definitely rather be an Elantrian, even feeling, you know, that I'm dead and I'm in pain and all that sort of stuff, probably slowly going crazy. I would rather be an Elantrian than a Scar. Mm. But, hey, if you found a nice plantation somewhere, (laughs) you know, you weren't beaten all the time and maybe it's okay. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Something about the idea, especially like you said before, Rowden, of just being hungry all the time and not having anything to take your mind off it, just having nothing to do but concentrate on how you're hungry and you have no food, that's nightmarish. I don't know that um, I could take that. yeah, and I mean, I get it, but at the same time, like, I I, I feel like, and that's the, the kind of suspending disbelief in this book that I don't really buy. It's like, if I was hungry all the time, I would figure out, you know, if I did something productive, I could probably take my mind off that. Because, you know, I have a, I'm a, I have a logical, reasonable brain. So, like, I could probably figure that out. I could probably. Like starting say, like, a gang? I'm going to start a gang to take my mind off it? Yeah, like, obviously, there's some people that made some different choices, right? Like, like Tan decided he needed to go crazy. But for me, I'd I'd probably try to make something or, yeah, like, clean, make my life, like, what it is, at least a tiny bit better. Even Galadon did that. I mean, he found, like, a cozy place to, like, live and be uh, with his little, like, room full of books. Yeah, that's true. So... Get chased and frozen by the wrong gang as soon as you entered Elantris. Right. You know, yeah, I guess you you had the ones that went with Karata. They had a better life than the ones that you saw. So I guess it really depends where you ended up. If you ended up in in the gangs that were constantly trying to jump you for your food and, you know, fight and all that sort of stuff, then, yeah, you're probably going to end up running, breaking your leg and being in pain for eternity. Yeah. But that's... but that yeah you know maybe it would be maybe it would be okay that's if you joined a gang though like galadon didn't do that like that's that's my thinking it's like brandon had all these ideas as if nobody else could have ever had those ideas that's the part of the Mm. his story that makes it the hardest for me to swallow it's like really nobody else thought of this nobody yeah nobody thought of growing food nobody thought of cleaning a building you know uh okay that was that email our second email is from daniel says, hi, Sander Lanch. I'm a longtime Sando fan and started listening to your show a week ago, and I'm up to episode seven. You guys are awesome, and I stick around for your banter as much as the great Mistborn content, and hearing my native Australian accent is always a plus. Looking forward to catching up and being able to read along. Big love, Daniel. So there you go. Hey, fellow Aussie. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Retro Rocket. Emails. The thought-provoking questions were good. I would, that's, that's my favorite emails. We can get a discussion and uh, some interesting questions out of stuff. If anyone else would like to send an email, the address is thesandralanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and the Podbean website. Just all sorts of good places. For next time, the last time this book that we're going to be reading two chapters, 18 and 19. After that, it becomes more and more and more. So Putting in the bookmarks. <laughs> if you're reading along, that's two chapters for next time. These are about equal in length, so once again, they're going to be two kind of meatiest chapters. 
And this will be, what did we have this time? We had Rowden and Serene, so it's going to be Horathan and Rowden, I guess. So come back next time for that. Uh, music by Miracle of Sound. And wasing to the time of next. Colo? My name's Tuolador. Get up, get out of the city of dreams. Get up, get out, that was set in your brain. Get up, get out, the voice will never die. I forgot about the cola. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She hasn't been around for a while. <laughs>